Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, interviews, and profiles of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me, as always, my hostess with the mostest, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. She goes by Just Jen. Together we make Shen. Shen. Sean and Jen. (laughs) Shen. Shen. Yeah, we're the Shen Show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're along with us as we're talking about um, hope. Hope in the midst of a pandemic. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're doing the show to uh, help foster hope for those of you that are sheltering inside and uh, frustrated that you're sheltering inside. I think it's a collective frustration throughout the whole world, but it's just what we got to do. Who would have thought that this would be our 2020, right? Yeah. Very strange. Like how many, think about this, how many New Year's resolutions began in (laughs) January, January 1st, that now are like totally out the window for for no fault of somebody's own? You know, well, I'm going to go to the gym every day (laughs) and I'm going to get my workout. Well, what about having a yearly planner? Yeah, really, right? What's in there? (laughs) Well, I guess, you know, on the encouraging side, I I will say that we've seen some recent news that it looks like, and I got mixed feelings on this, but it looks like some states are going to start to open up a little bit, you know, that maybe that's a sign that we are moving past this. I just worry maybe it's a little too soon. We'll see. I think it depends on the state. Like, I think they could open up Wyoming. Did they close down Wyoming? I I have no idea. (laughs) My mom lives in Wyoming, and I think there's like five people there. So well, I it, know that your mom has not left her house. So yeah, and they I, must have closed Wyoming. I think they had a couple of cases, maybe, but not. She said she's at the door with a gun, just because, just in case those people come. Those people come. <laughs> she said that. I, yeah, I don't know what she's expecting, but I guess there's people that come door to door that have like fake tests, but they really start, I guess, rob you. I, I you know what? Let okay. <laughs> All right. So, like, if we had a camera crew and, like, could prank her and she yeah, she listens to no, this show. No, she will shoot them. No. Like, seriously, I think it'd be cheap. It'd be fun. Can you no, imagine? No. Can you imagine no. pranking her? No. Let's let's not. I want to I prank you, Mom. I'm going to send a camera crew to your house and, no. and uh, prank you. No. They're, like, in Wyoming's, like, Wild West. True. So we just maybe gotta, I should rethink that. Yeah, rethink that. Just let your mom, you know, feel protected in Wyoming. I mean, there's like ten people that live there, <laughs> so you never know. Like you would think maybe you would, eleven. You would think you know all those eleven people, but you don't. So how are you feeling about the states kind of opening up? Like what what is your thoughts on this? I think it's really scary, actually. Really? Yeah, just because um, I don't. I don't think we're ready. I know the world wants to get out there. I want to get out there too. I want to get back to work. I just said last night, like I miss working. Like, isn't this working? This is not, this is working, but I want to, I want to design you want to homes make houses and make them pretty and do the stuff that I love, love, love doing. So yeah. And you're, and you're good at that. And you know, we don't do scary on this show. We don't no. you know this isn't scary. This we're going to choose faith mm-hmm. over fear right right right. we're gonna we're gonna assume that everything is gonna work out the way that it was supposed to work out right i just i I honestly think it's too early but um what do i know we shall see we're gonna see if it is or is not too early right i honestly when they lift these you know when they say we can go back into the real world i'm gonna wait another month before i go out i'm gonna see what happens (laughs) 
You like those? Uh, <laughs> I've I've seen you share with me on Facebook. You all you all go out in May. I'm gonna go out in June and yeah, see how y'all for real. did for real. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one back here. I'm like, yeah, you go right on ahead. I'll just you know stay in my house for an extra month or so. All right, Jen, it's time for our segment that we call Sean and Jen Tell a Joke. Okay. And uh, we're going to tell, each of us are going to tell a joke, and we're going to see who is funnier. Okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Then go. Okay. When potatoes have babies, what are they called? I don't know. Tater tots. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. I want to eat all the tater tots. (laughs) You do want to eat all the tater tots, right? I do. They sound well. Here's something special just for you because that was an awesome joke. Here we go. Okay. You ready? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Good job, Jen. That's so good. That's so good. You ready for my joke? I'm so ready. Why did the old man fall in the well? Why did he do that? Because he couldn't see that well. (laughs) 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 Woo! Okay, that one was funny. You want to know why that one was funny? Because you laughed? Because I got it. Because you got it. What do you mean? You don't get my jokes otherwise? No. That one was funny, though. (laughs) That was... That was funny. That yeah. was a good one, right? Yeah. I like that one. You get a gold star. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give that one to you. Yay. I get one? Yeah. You won one. I won one. So yeah. what's the score? Like two to nothing or two to one? Two to one. Two to one? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but I'll, I'll take it that. Two to okay. one. Two to one. I'm we'll winning. see. Yeah. I'm, Tomorrow I'm, I'm going to beat you again. Then it'll be two to two. No. Tied. <laughs> Well, um, if you listen to the show, I would encourage you to check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Jen, how do they find us on Instagram and Facebook? Instagram and Facebook. You're going to look up Hope Radio Podcast on both of those, and we are there. And uh, we've got profiles of former guests that we've had on our Instagram and our Facebook. And you got direct links to some of those stories and some of those people. Mm -hmm. And... um, I'm proud of what we've done. Like we're doing one of these shows every single day, like yeah. weekday. We've had some awesome, awesome guests come on. They're also different too, which I love because I like different. I, don't, I do. I don't even watch a movie twice, so that's how different I like. Well, I've I've got an exciting, exciting guest coming on our show today. Okay, Marcus Ogden. He is a former NFL player. He played for, I believe, six years in the NFL. And after he left the NFL, he had a stint and created his own business. He was in the construction business and really successful Mm -hmm. in the construction business. And uh, then life threw him a couple of curveballs. You got to hear it from him directly. You know, it's just, whoa, I cannot believe he weathered that. I mean, to hear his story, to, to hear what he's overcome... Um, but I think the biggest thing that is impressive to me about him is his awareness of kind of his false mindset surrounding when he lost pretty much everything and how he recognized that that mindset was not going to move him forward mm-hmm. and what he did to address his mindset. And uh, I think that that's the biggest reason that he's in a thriving place today. But his story is riveting. Like yeah. when you when you hear what he went through, it's it's going to be awesome. So are you excited? I'm very excited. I like, we... I like riveting stories. I know. 
There's I gotta something. find a way to say that differently. It's riveting. It's it's enthralling. It's <laughs> you know I gotta figure out a different way. But how how about we get him on the line and uh, talk to him? Let's do it. Okay, I'm gonna call Marcus Ogden and we're gonna get him on the line right now. All right, Jen, I'm super excited. We've got uh, Marcus Ogden on the line. He's a former NFL athlete, keynote speaker, business coach, and consultant. He's also a best-selling author. Welcome to the show, Marcus. How are you? How are we doing, sir? Things are going well. How about you guys? Hey, we are doing awesome. We are acting like rays of sun in the bright sunshine here, lifting up others. Hope Hope Radio Podcast train. It's a moving. Hey, well, you know what? We were talking about earlier. If people can give inspiration and hope to others in this time, that's a beautiful thing. This is a very difficult time right now for our globe as a whole. Yeah, and I think it's a time for us to all find ways to come together and come alongside each other and help each other. And so thank you so much for being willing to be part of our uh, our podcast here. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners can understand who you are and your background? Yeah, uh, I'm originally from Washington, D.C. I went to Howard University uh, in Washington, D.C. I played in the National Football League for almost six years with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, Baltimore Ravens, and Buffalo Bills. I currently now live in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina with my wife and two daughters. And when I got out of the NFL, I struggled with transitioning mentally. And I finally, after stopping feeling sorry for myself, I started a construction business and I grew into a eight-figure-a-year business uh, between 2010 and 2012. Uh, but by the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, I got very uh, arrogant. I got very complacent, and I became a horrible boss and not a good, strong, sound, uh, very inclusive leader. And as a result of that, I ended up losing my business and everything I owned in less than 90 days, and I had to file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy in April of 2013. Wow. So let's let I, I did not uh, know that about yourself. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being vulnerable to share that. I think what you said in there was incredible to recognize that maybe you weren't being the right person that you needed to be, and some of that is what played into the cascade down. Um, so you said you had an eight figure construction biz- business that you were running. Is that correct? Eight figure a year. That is correct. My good man. Wow. Wow. And so you said, so walk us through, like, how do you go from an eight figure business to in a 90 day period of time, really losing everything. So uh, unpack that so, for, a, for us a little bit and tell us what so, happened. So I was working for a client of mine who was one of my best clients. It was a large general contractor in the Baltimore area. And I had worked for them prior on other big jobs and things went well. They took care of me. I got paid on time for early. Life was great. But unfortunately, I got into that project. I got into a, uh, I got into a project. Uh, but again, it was like, hmm, market. You're doing something with somebody without a signed change order. But I trusted them, and I ended up spending about $2.5 million of my money to do some extra work, which I thought was going to be repaid change order work. And it was not. And all that money, the 2 and a half to almost $3 million, was my own money, most of it, company money, leverage, credit cards. Home equity lines, business equity lines, we from a uh, you know, from an investor, 
twice, but when the money did not get paid back by the general contractor, all of my resources had been exhausted, and that was it. I was averaging about $100,000 a week in payroll for my organization, and by the time I turned around and looked up, uh, I started around November 1st of 2012, and right around February 1st of 2013, I was broke. How did you process that? Like, how did you handle that at the time? That had to have been just a nightmare. I mean, I can imagine that you're not sleeping. I can imagine, like, the heart palpitations. I can imagine the stress and the anxiety and the adrenaline and everything that was going on. Like, how did you weather that at the time? Well, it wasn't good. Uh, actually, my first book is called Sleepless Night. Uh, it talks a lot about my struggles, what I went through. Uh, it talks a lot about uh, how my my fiance at the time was now my wife and I endured a lot of arguing, sleepless nights, stress. A lot of what people are going through right now with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, I have lived this situation, uh, you all. Uh, and here's the thing. It wasn't a global crisis, but it felt global to me because it was my life. Yeah. And I understand if you're going through anxiety or stress or discomfort or most, most horrifically uncertainty. I mean, literally at the, literally the Christmas of 2012 was the worst of my life because we had no money really for anything gift wise. We were just like barely hanging on. Uh, my wife and uh, my stepdaughter had left Carolina to come meeting with me in Baltimore and then turn around three months later, I'm packing up my business. My home is foreclosed on. Both cars get repossessed in the same day. As soon as we land or as soon as we arrive, because we weren't flying anywhere, arrive in Raleigh. Three days later, both cars were repossessed off the same from the, off the same driveway in the same day in April of 2013. So literally, you know, I know what it's like. And again, it is extremely uh, stressful. It is extremely full of anxiety. It's extremely full of uh, uncertainty and worry. And it takes a mental toll on you. But at some point, you have to look at what you do well and try to start leaning on those things, those strengths. Because you can do that, that'll help you to start to get yourself in a better position to actually move forward with your life. I think that's very well said. I, I just, uh, Jen and I went through, you know, 2008, 2009, it had a profound effect on our financial life. And so I can empathize with what you're talking about in terms of really losing everything and being down to absolutely nothing. It's a very humbling experience, especially if you've had success. Like if you had like the success that you're talking about, I imagine prior to this happening, you felt like you had arrived. Like it, it, you you know, this is, this is, this is my game to control, you know, and especially I like to say today that I'm a recovering narcissist and it sounds like you've got a little bit of that recovering narcissist in you as well. It wasn't all about you and it takes kind of losing everything to really kind of reset your paradigm to some degree. Would you agree? A hundred percent agree. I think exactly what happened is that I literally 
got myself into a position where I just thought everything I said was gold. And as a result of that, I ended up shying away and shunning away my best employees. And as a result, it didn't take long after that. Once the, I lost my really solid co-captain, it was just a matter of time before the ship was going to sail into the Dead Sea, the Bermuda Triangle. It was just, it was just, it was just no way around it because I was too far gone and you couldn't reach me because I thought I knew it all. Yeah, I think it sounds like you've done a lot of work on the forensic analysis of your mindset during that time, and I think I did as well. And what you have to do is completely change that moving forward. Those kind of life lessons, they're painful, but they're an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to rebound. So walk us through a little bit about what happened throughout the rest of 2013 and how you've ended up where you are now. How did you recover after that devastating loss? So in 2013, I ended up uh, coming down here. I had a job at Merrill Lynch in, Dur- uh, in Durham. Uh, I got let go from that job after about two months. All my fault. Was not doing well on the practice test. Uh, was just not doing well at all. I got a job the next day to construction business. I was there for five days, and I got fired. They shut down the sales parts division of that part of their business. I then took a job coaching football to the youth and letting them know uh, how to play football and proper technique and all that. I used Living Social as a marketing avenue and tool to uh, get names of people. I was doing a camp, but I also was starting to do private training. I used Living Social to sell private sessions to people to help me and help them uh, with their football desires. And then I wasn't making enough money at the time because a lot of my kids were going back to the season. So I then took a job as a custodian, making eight twenty-five an hour, uh, working in downtown Raleigh. And I had a pivotal, not a, the pivotal moment uh, in 2013 September where somebody spoiled milk and trash and everything that was horrific got on my body, my skin, and my clothes. And as a result of that, that's when I made the decision to stop letting everyone else control my life and stop waiting for the knight on the horse to come and save me from being a poor, misguided football player to a, I am the knight, I need to get my own damn horse and climb up on it and then get myself out of the situation. Otherwise, I'll be sitting here the rest of my life always blaming other people for my failures and my problems. And that's what I did. I haven't looked back since. That mindset shift is everything. How you frame your circumstance and how you frame your future is so critical to rebound. You know, like the rebound that you're going to have or whatever it is that you're going to come out of, you have to have the right mindset. And it sounds like you you stopped being the victim and started recognizing that you had control over the situation and that was the time to start exercising control. So, so what did you do, Marcus? How did you, once you made that shift, what was your first step, first three steps forward? First, 
first three steps after I got through crying on the curb. Number one, <laughs> I came. I've been there crying on the same curb. I think. Been there. So first thing first, I came home and I uh, identified my strengths, the five things I was good at. Number two, I went through those goals and I uh, those strengths, and I created goals to become a speaker because I was filled with people, communication, storytelling, all three of my strengths that I put on the piece of paper. And then the third and most most critical step is I started sharing with my inner circle who I am, well, you know, who I am as far as what I'm going to do for a profession, what I'm trying to do as far as a speaker, and if anybody knows anyone that's hiring or speakers for free, I don't care what it is, how can I get in front of them to make this work? So, again, it's number one, I wrote down my five biggest strengths. Number two, I compiled from those strengths goals becoming a speaker. I wrote down three goals I wanted to achieve. And then step three, I started telling my inner circle what I was doing to have them help me the best way possible to get out that I wanted to speak uh, for people as a new career. I think that's great. And that's the genesis of how you were able to to pull out of the situation. I love your analysis. What are my strengths? What am I good at? And then going to people that love you and care about you and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do X. Did you, did you meet any resistance at that time? Like, did somebody say, you're going to do what? You're going to be a speaker? A yeah, speaker on what? Of course. I met resistance all the time. I didn't get my first paid speaking job for two and a half years. I faced resistance all of the time, but I never gave up because I knew if I gave up and stopped pursuing what I wanted to do, I was going to be in trouble. Persistence, I think, is one of the, the biggest attributes of success, any success I've had in my life. It's just been because I'm stubborn and I won't give up. You know, it's that whole, my favorite hat I wear every day has never give up on it, you know? So that's like this positive mindset reminder that you just cannot give up. And I think that you recognize that as well. So you got your first speaking gig after two and a half years. So walk us through what has happened since then. So that would have been 2015. So bring us through to what you're doing now in 2020. I got my first paid speaking job. It was, I started in 2014. So it was April of 2016 was my first paid speaking job. And since then, I've just been telling more people. I've been getting great video. I've put around me an amazing team of people. I've utilized the three main sources of marketing to grow your business, email marketing, social media marketing, and good old fashioned networking. And the last, and so basically since 2017, you know, I've worked until today, I've worked for 13 Fortune 500 companies as a speaker. That's people like Axe Advisors, the Home Depot Company, uh, PNC Bank, JP Morgan and Chase, uh, oh God, New York Life Insurance, MetLife Insurance, Living Mutual Insurance. And I am now doing corporate, uh, training, workshop training. I'm doing uh, consulting. I have written two best-selling books. We now do webinars uh, and you know, virtual events for clients. Uh, I'm doing a lot of one-on-one coaching of people who are wanting to be speakers in a certain lane uh, to help get them more exposure and more knowledge and more contact in that lane along with some structure, verbiage, some 
strategic planning and tactical planning that's necessary to execute the mission that they're trying to do for themselves. So that's what I've been doing now. And I went full time with speaking in 2018. Between then and now, I was doing other jobs before my family while I still pursued speaking. But I turned full time with speaking in 2018. What a story. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome to lift yourself up from really the the financial uh, meltdown that you went through to mm-hmm. to completely change. I mean, you were in the construction business and then now you are a paid speaker yeah. at some of the largest companies that and to are, work his way up there, you know, yeah. a custodian at 825 or whatever an hour, you know, like that's that's incredible. To go from a custodian <laughs> after having lost yeah. everything, you know, an eight-figure bas- business right. and then losing everything and then yeah. and then to crawl climb scratch you know up the hill again um and that, have no quit yeah to yeah. have to have no quit that that is awesome congratulations for the success that you've had so one question that comes to mind is uh, did faith play a role in this tell us about your your faith walk if you have oh, one yeah. oh yeah i'm very faith driven uh grew up in the church uh with my grandparents my parents uh my wife father is uh, was a pastor for 40, oh, 40 years. He's now, he's now a realtor. But I have a strong faith base. Uh, there's got to be a higher power, you know, to put, I mean, again, I'm not going to get biblical, but, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm seeing from today, even like that's within the Bible, that, you know, we would have these issues with, you know, on earth and all these different things that have happened. And, you know, I, I, I just believe that there is a higher power uh, that is literally what keeps this place and this world going as a whole. And, you know, to me, if without faith, I would have literally been done and cooked. Mm. <laughs> yeah. that, like when I was trying, when I was excessively drinking in 2013, I was in a very horrific, angry, emotional, not cognitive space. That's all I was doing was blaming people, and, and that's all I was doing, blaming people and yelling, screaming, and saying, why me, for me, and that was all I was about. So, yeah, I have a very strong base of faith, for sure. Can you imagine going through that circumstance without faith, like how overwhelming it would be. I mean, I, I, back in 2008, 2009, I called myself um, a bit of a Christian atheist. In other words, I was a Christian. I believed in God, but there wasn't a lot about my life that was actively living as though I believed in God and put him on the, on the throne. And so it sounds like you went through some of that yourself. And I think you have to get to a point sometimes where you, you just drop to your knees and surrender. He has to clear out all the noise, all the stuff. And like you get this direct channel, you know, to your creator, to God that says, okay, now, now you ready? Are you, are you, are you, you know, are you ready now? And it sounds like you went through that yourself. Yep. Very much so. And it's, here's the thing. It's that in order for you to accept a new beginning, you have to get rid of the anger and the resentment in your heart. Otherwise, you're not going to move forward in a healthy manner. And that's exactly what it was. When I got down here for the first six and a half, you know, about first, you know, six to nine months, give or take, I was full of anger and just resentment. Even when I started speaking, I was doing it from a place of trying to get back at those who had wronged me. Where today, uh, I hold no animosity. It, it is what it is. Did they take advantage of me? Yes, they did. Was I taking? Was I screwed over? Yes, I was. But you know what? That's life. 
you know, and I tell people all the time, especially when like financial literacy talk, companies will look out for their bottom line before yours. That's just the way man is. Not yeah. all man, but that's the way that the nature of man is to look out for themselves. And that's what happened. So it wasn't their fault. I could have not done the work. I could have said, give me a change order, sign, or I'm going to stop. I could have done some things differently. I didn't do it. And it cost me everything. And now I'm moving forward. It's water under the bridge. It's a learning experience. And without that experience and that what I went through, I don't think my story would be as impactful because, like, why am I listening to you? What you've been through and the diversity, whereby I knows now I've been uh, from from hell and back, going through this whole process, you know, starting in 2013 uh, of uh, you know of January. I agree with you. I think your story is more impactful. I can imagine when you speak. And these public engagements, you know, having people hear what you lost, what you went through, what happened, hearing it from you, hearing your truth, hearing your authenticity when you say it, you know, like I, I'm interested in learning from a guy that that uh, had everything, lost everything, and then had everything again, or is trying to get everything again. And and I think that, that uh, we do go through those situations and those experiences. It, it is life. It does happen. And I think one of the worst things that you can do is instead of... If, learning from it and growing from it is lamenting and continuing to live it or relive it and staying stuck. And it sounds like you did that for a period of time, but at some point you just realize it's not working. I, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something different to happen. Right. And that's what it was. I was expecting something different and it was never going to happen. And again, with my life today, I have, you know, a lot of consulting clients, I work with a lot of people at their executive coach, and I serve them with my knowledge. Uh, I do lots of podcasts and interviews. I have a call today with a company about doing a paid webinar for them, uh, like real estate and mortgage groups. I look at these stuff with them potentially. Uh, and again, it's really about creating for individuals the best way possible some action steps or some things that they can do uh, to help people, you know, become successful. Uh, and what they're doing. That's what we're all about, and that's what we're going to continue to do as long as we're here to do it. How are you spending your time right now with uh, with COVID? How have you pivoted or transitioned in this current environment to uh, keep doing what you do? We're pivoting to a lot more online uh, for speaking, webinars, virtual summits. Uh, I love things like this podcast. We've got different audiences, uh, you know, things of that nature. We really enjoy helping people uh, with group coaching and consulting. Like one of my clients, I do a monthly, I do three, I will, well, two now, but about three monthly Zoom calls with like all their sales team for coaching and interaction to help them. We had a, we had a, uh, a Zoom call last Friday talking about uh, ways to have work-life balance, talk about the power of social media, uh, we talked about how to leverage, you know, your existing relationships and, you know, grow more of a database for yourself, even through COVID-19. So we're pivoting a lot to the webinar, virtual summit, you know, things of that nature, fireside chat. I have a fireside chat uh, on Thursday for a company that brought me in as a speaker. I was going to speak to them in, in Boston, but now it's going to be a uh, virtual event. I'm doing that Thursday, I have a event Friday night of a of a webinar 
one for a group out of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. It's about 80 to 100 women entrepreneurs. I'm one of the speakers for that summit. I'm doing another virtual summit, uh, another webinar. I did one April 10th and one maybe 8th. So really about pivoting in that retrospect and not stopping because a lot of pe- people are still doing business, right? Yeah. It's just not as easy to find them because everybody's not out like they once were, free-falling with money out of it coming out of their pocket. Yeah. So the market is still... The market can still stand people selling a high-quality product for a slightly reduced price if the social proof and the proof of concept or the proof of verification, I can just like to call it, is there. And that's what our product is. Like We coach a lot of people. As a matter of fact, two of them, my last coaching clients, were podcast hosts that I did their, both their podcasts. They had ambitions of growing their business and learn how to become a speaker. One of them was that, one was the other. And both of them now are my clients, and they are extremely happy with the product and service, and I'm helping them expand their network. And they get a great product for a very uh, good, reduced price to, come, to, to fall into the, you know, our times that we're in. But I'm still able to make a fiscal gain and provide a product to someone who I, would love, who I enjoy working with and they like working with me. But both of them signed up because they saw the social proof that I was able to, uh, to present to them when they uh, you know, engaged me for their podcast. Now, Marcus, how do, how do people connect with you? What, what is the best way for them to do so? Do you have a website that they can go to to learn more about you? I do. It's www.marcus, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S, Ogden, O-G, com. You can go there, check me out, and you can, send, you can connect with us. We're actually ready to do a, uh, a giveaway starting on next Monday. Anyone that signs up, that gives us their email address or information on our website, uh, the first 25 people will get a free copy of our Mental Toughness over Physical Limitations uh, online course for free, and they'll get one 30-minute consultation-free coaching call as well. So you do individual coaching as well as group coaching? I do individual coaching, group coaching, consulting. I facilitate workshops. I do keynote speaking. And uh, I'll do kind of like, you know, group webinars uh, for sales organizations and virtual conferences as well. That's great. That's awesome. And so I get, I have a question for you right now because, you know, we're going to do a little group coaching for people that are listening to us right now. And so what I want you to do is speak to somebody that's listening right now that may be feeling anxious, maybe feeling fearful, maybe they've lost uh, their job or had hours cut or worried about how they're going to pay their mortgage. They're worried about the financial fallout. I'm sure there are people that are worried about the physical fallout, but I think a lot of people are worried about the financial fallout. Um, significantly. And so what would you say to somebody that is right on the line, very close to losing everything right now and worried about the future? I would tell them that they must focus on their strength. If you end up losing your house or your home because of the situation, are you going to like it? No, absolutely not. I didn't like it when I lost everything. But rock bottom should be our greatest teacher. Even though this wasn't your fault, 
what can you do so that you'll be in a better position to not have this happen if this comes around again? And God knows I hope it never does. But that's what they call them, global crisis. They don't call them global foreseen crisis. No one saw this coming. So I hope what people learn from this, if something's happening with them, is that two things. One, it's not the end of the world, right? Because it's not something that you did. It's not like you screwed up on your job or that or the other. It's something that's a global pandemic that has destroyed the globe. That's what it is. So you need to understand it's not your fault. And two, start focusing on your strength, what you're good at, and start to rebuild your life from there. Because here's the problem. If you just focus on the negative and you feel sorry for yourself, that's not going to do anything to put you in the position of getting back on track. I did that for about six months. Self-loathing, uh, abuse of my body through alcohol, um, you know, just having a horrible attitude, not being a happy person. I lived that life. And let me tell you something. It got me nowhere. So, Learn from me and just do exactly what you need to do, which is rebuild your life off the strengths you possess and start finding ways to create multiple streams of income off the talent that you possess. All of us are given God-given talent. All of us have strengths. All of us have weaknesses. And I think your point about really kind of sitting down, taking stock, being self-reflective, what am I good at? Like, I heard somebody call this right now the great pause. In other words, instead of it being the Great Recession, instead of it being the Great Depression, they're calling it the Great Pause. All of us have a chance right now to be self-reflective, to look at our life, to look at where we are, where we wanted to be, maybe where we want to be in the future now that we've had a bit of a reset. Take stock, be self-reflective, and then make a plan. You've got the time to make a plan to come out of this stronger, or you can sit like we see on Facebook and drink alcohol until it ends and then have nothing to show for it. You got that right. So if you sit around and wait for something to come to you, you could be waiting forever. So understand that you need to be a person who is a go-getter, not a person who says or says the whole word, I wish I could go get. Yeah, I wish, I yeah. want, I wish, you know, it's like the, the goal, but no action steps along with it. You know, I think that that's very appropriate that you, that you say that it, it takes, it takes faith. It takes belief. It, ta- it takes persistence. I think it takes tenacity, you know, but if you can, if you can lift yourself up and then marshal your efforts toward change, then I think that you have a bright future ahead of you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for uh, coming online and being part of our podcast and spreading your message of uh, perseverance and hope. And uh, I mean, I, I just love the story, how you've rebounded. I mean, to go from being an NFL player to a major business owner with the kind of income that you had to losing everything to then at one point being a janitor working for $8.25 an hour 
to then now coming out of it and thriving and being a keynote speaker to some of the biggest companies out there. I, I just applaud what you've done. And, and uh, I, you know, I think you're a great example of what's possible after devastation. I appreciate my friend. Well, I do actually have a question. Okay. I have a question sure. before. I need to know what position you played in the NFL because we have football players in our house and they're going to ask me. So I need answers. In the Hall of Fame, he's the offensive tackle for the Ravens. Okay. So you played offensive line? I did. That is, that is, and you played for three teams, right? Correct. We have a 15 year old who is just big time into football. So I knew that he was going to ask me. And so I needed to be able to tell him. Oh, no, that's not a problem. No, no, tell him that you know, I played out uh, in the NFL. Uh, also, my brother, Jonathan, played uh, left tackle for the Ravens for 12 years. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Jen, I thought that was uh, very wise words from Marcus Ogden. What did, you, what did you think of the show? I thought it was a great show, and I thought, like, Marcus is like the comeback kid. He literally is mm-hmm. the comeback kid to yeah. come back from what he went through to lose everything, to have both cars repossessed yeah. in on the same day. Well, not too many people could, you know, come out of that situation. I think, I think a lot of people would be contemplating not wanting to be here. Right. You know, going right. through that because the financial effects of, of devastation mm-hmm. like that, I think that that is a very, very hard thing to see a mm-hmm. bright future coming out of. Yeah. I mean, to and especially his situation, to be an NFL player, to be a really successful business person, to have a situation where um, a, a bad contract, bad contractor, bad you know, decision maybe right. on his part mm-hmm. really strips him of everything. I mean, in, in, in 90 days, I mean, like th- there was like no warning. He goes from like top of the world mm-hmm. to nothing in 90 days, like a whirlwind, you know, but I thought, um, you know, and then became a janitor, mm-hmm. but then like it was all, everything began. If you paid really close attention to what he said, everything began for him with a mindset shift. Yes. He had to change how he was thinking about his present circumstance. Mm -hmm. I thought his points about not lamenting, not Mm -hmm. wallowing in self-pity and just surrounding yourself in this muck of why me, why me? I thought that was very appropriate because I think a lot of people could be saying that right now in this situation. Well, you have a choice. We all have a choice on how we're going to deal with something or or what our mindset's going to be or our attitude. And you can choose to have a really good positive attitude or you can choose to lament and and have a really bad attitude. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's a conscious choice as to which way you see mm-hmm. a situation. But I think, you know, his learning a completely different skill and, and really kind of looking, sitting down and going, okay, what am I good at? Mm-hmm. What do I enjoy doing? And then building his future self around that, Yeah, I think was, uh, was something that I really kind of, internalized and and understood. I think that's great advice right now for everybody that's listening. I think everybody should be writing down exactly their strengths, exactly their weaknesses, and developing a plan for what they want their life to look out coming out of this. Yeah, it's such a great idea. All right, so if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can find us um, on a couple different platforms. So initially we published a SoundCloud, but you can find the podcast on iTunes. So you can go to the podcast app on an iPhone and you'll find us there. If you go to Hope Radio Podcast, you can go to iHeartRadio, you can go to Stitcher, you can go to SoundCloud, you can go to Spotify, Spotify, and you can even... 
shout at your Amazon Alexa. You can go, Alexa, take me to the Hope Radio podcast. I want to listen. And she'll play the last episode that we published. Well, that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I I, I said that to Alexa today and she started playing our episode from yesterday. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. She's so smart. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I found my, my new way to. Do you know, Alexa knows almost everything. That's scary. Yeah. I know. So I try not to <laughs> But it's about fun that. to play with, play around with her, you know, and ask her stupid questions because she has an answer. She'll even sing to you and she'll read stories to you. And she's pretty, really, she's actually amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. But the, the fact that she listens to everything I say is kind of unnerving. But I try not to think about that. I'm like, well. Because that steals my hope. Yeah, well. Steals my peace. What are you saying that you care? Nothing. Exactly. I know. I guess. It's not like I'm some sort of... <laughs> Crazy person. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like secret agent or something. Yeah. You know. She probably wants to be our friend. Well, speaking of friends, mm-hmm. if you're listening and you have somebody that would be a great guest to come on our podcast, please send us a message. Go to our Instagram, Hope Radio Podcast. Go to our Facebook, Hope Radio Podcast. Send us a message. Give us an introduction. Tell us somebody that you know that has a story that might impact and or help others. We would be greatly, greatly appreciative yes. of that. All right, so now we've gotten to the point where we're going to do my thought of the day, Jennifer. Okay, let's Are hear you it. ready? I'm so ready. This is called The Essence of Life by Silky. Hope is the essence of life. Many of us could not even live a life of peace without having hope deep inside the heart. Life is unpredictable, hard, and quite notorious at times. Things go out of hand and beyond all of our control many times. Hope helps us to keep the fight on, improves the chances of making our life better. Hope, the essence of life, keeps our eyes wide open for an improved future. I know it's very hard keeping up with the inner faith during the most critical times, but those who never leave hope actually make it to the end. No doubt life is a solid war zone, but it's not too bad either. Try to keep your eyes full of dreams. Hope not only gives you the strength to overcome a pain, but also makes the journey for the future easier. Let's not worry about the fact that today is bad. Hope keeps telling us that tomorrow will be better than this. Hope is optimism. When I'm hopeful for anything, I'm thinking that sorrow and difficulty of today will soon end. Hope keeps us staying positive. As you know, our mind has lots of effects on our actions. If your mind tells you to stay strong on a path and not to lose courage, you will do so. So hope gives a positive mind power. It generates an aura around you which protects you from the negatives. This is why hope will always be the essence of life. I have hope. I like that. I like that too. That was very, very good. Don't you agree? I do I, agree. I feel uplifted with that I am quote. uplifted, yes. Well, should we do this again tomorrow? I think we shall. I'm excited to do this again tomorrow because... We are going to interview Karen Glasser, and she has got a phenomenal website. If you have kids, especially kids under, I would say, seven, six, somewhere in that age, you know, sometimes it's difficult trying to find activities for them. She has a live book reading contest for, not contest, but book reading forum for authors to come on and share children's books that they've written and tell the stories themselves. And it's all done via live video conference. And it's awesome. That's so I can't cool. wait to talk with her. I want to listen. Well, let's do it tomorrow. You'll yeah. be able to do so. All right. Perfect. Adios. Bye.